Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Timber Living Log Cabins. For your perfect workspace, living space or hideaway, timberliving.ie. Maeve Higgins, good afternoon. Hi, Hi. how are you? I'm good, how are you? Hi. <laughs> I'm great. Are you, are you, relishing, kind of go, are you relishing going full cork now for a while? You don't have to kind of uh, <laughs> make yourself understood by New Yorkers for the next while. Yeah. Yeah. Did hey, somebody just doing? slam huh? the door? Um, yeah. Did somebody don't storm ask. out there? <laughs> so maybe Somebody I'm who thought I was from Texas <laughs> just found out I was from Cork. <laughs> so listen, I'm not sure anyway, the intro. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank it's, you. It's for, really nice to talk to you. Thank you. It's lovely yeah. to talk to you. I'm, I'm so for the intro, comedian, columnist, author, podcaster, activist, all all those things. Firecracker. Um, <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wouldn't say activist. I would say like writer and comedian and uh, dedicated aunt. I love it. Dedicated aunt. And that's a- <laughs> that's A-U-N-T rather than A-N-T, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. And of course, people will know your work from your comedy. They'll know your work from The Guardian. When you go down to Cove, when you're at home in Cove now, do they say, I know your work from The Guardian? Or do they say, are you the one who writes for the paper? <laughs> yeah, I think it's probably still the examiner still has a bit of a stronghold in um in Cork, definitely. And I've been I've been writing for the examiner for nearly two years. Um and I do write for The Guardian as well. I'm a columnist with them. Um, but it's less like it's less frequent. I do every week in the examiner. So I think that's like how people can kind of catch up with what I'm whatever I'm going on about. Yeah. And and also it is the obviously the ultimate position for anyone from Cork to to achieve. So <laughs> are you basically a full-blown New Yorker? I now, petitioned though? hard. It, it <laughs> was the paper like that we grew up obviously like that we grew up reading at home and then you know it became national. I mean I moved to New York 10 years ago um, but I would still obviously be following Irish news um, and you know spending as much time as I can at home like at Christmas and everything so yeah. You wrote an article recently about how it takes guts to live in New York. What do you mean by that? Well, that was actually a a quote, um, you know, from Fran Leibowitz, who's, you know, this cool kind of, she used to write, but then she got writer's block and, you know, she's just kind of this like New York figure, kind of a funny intellectual that like plenty of people know. I probably don't need to explain who Fran Leibowitz is, but she talked about, how it takes guts to live here and I ended up writing it Brendan because um I do love I do love it here but it's a challenging place to live sometimes you know and I had I just had this like crazy kind of New York day where you know I did all the normal things like I had you know lunch I saw friends but then I did see like a guy chasing another guy with a weapon and I was very thrown by that and scared (laughs) and I was wondering should I call the cops should I not call the cops and then I happened to see Fran Leibowitz on the train later and I was like okay this feels like it's a (laughs) short film about living in New York (laughs) you know so I ended up doing my column um about about that that week and kind of wondering what was the right thing for me to do and um, which obviously is like a great position to be in, you know, to just kind of sit and think about things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. not have to actually do them. 
I, I think being an expat in New York has also given you a kind of a broader interest in what we might call the immigrant experience, hasn't it? Is that what you call it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what, what I said. I that's what you, I said. That's what you might call it. <laughs> what one Sorry. might call it. <laughs> what one might. I mean, yes. OK, I grew up in Cove, which I think, you know, and. Cove, you know, was where so many millions, I think like two million people in total left from Cove in the worst years, you know, of Irish history. And so we always, we grew up kind of knowing about that history and talking about it in school and, you know, going to the Heritage Centre like a lot. And so I kind of grew up knowing all about the people who left and about emigrants. And then I became one myself you know, first I went to London, then I went to New York, you know, very common path, like for so many Irish people of so many generations. And I just got so curious about, you know, it was it was relatively easy for me to come to New York because I got this artist visa and, uh, you know, I have tons of work opportunities here, but one in three New Yorkers is an immigrant. So I just was like, what? This is so fascinating. And so I started to write about it and research it. In the end, I did a master's like um, in immigrant studies um, at CUNY here, which is the public university here in the city. Um, and I just can't, I love hearing stranger stories and understanding like the way people move through the world and also how that's, what's the future of that you know especially with um like today in my column I wrote about some people who help migrants are being criminalized which mm -hmm. you probably saw the case of that Kerry man Sean Binder who was up in court in Greece for like for helping people not to drown in the Mediterranean and like the Mediterranean is the deadliest crossing at the moment um and has been for the past two years for people that are just trying to get to Europe, you know, um, and he's being criminalized. And I was kind of writing about, well, what's the real crime? Is it that or is it there's all these illegal pushbacks that I've learned about where the EU is actually funding, um, you know, security forces and police to illegally push back. That's literally what it sounds like, like to actually push people back over borders and push their boats back into the water and that that's actually a crime because it's um it's an international right to seek asylum so i kind of got into it from curiosity and now i'm learning all this really serious stuff and i just find it i find it really interesting and also i find it quite scary so i think it's good to learn more about it if you know yeah. what i mean and and like that's one of the big issues that is probably going to be more and more there. And the other one then, and I know it's important to you as mm. well, is climate change, which so you do a podcast with Mary Robinson, right? And obviously climate change and, and, and climate justice, it's heavy stuff, but she kind of make it uh, accessible, <laughs> yeah. but it kind of helps that Mary Robinson is a good laugh, isn't she? I mean, yeah, I have mentored Mary Robinson for many years now. <laughs> <laughs> She is just a huge fan. And um, yeah. yeah, she's, you know, like... So you kind of brought her out I of herself really a love bit, her. did you? Like, I mean, I was I was talking um, to, to, like, your researcher about this, about, like, you know, she was president when I was small. So that yeah. was my kind of image of her. 
and she is exactly the same now like as in she still wears like blazers and pearls and is like so so um powerful and serious and I just love that I don't love that in a way that's like oh my god she could be my granny she's my friend I yeah. love that in a way that's like oh my god thank god there's a leader who knows what to do about this horrific issue that we're all facing and like we're facing it yeah but like I'm 41 it's going to be children like <laughs> that are really going to have to deal with this so I really take Mary so seriously and I I used to feel when I think about um the climate crisis I used to feel quite paralyzed and it's just yeah. like it's too big and like well that doesn't really matter doing this doesn't really matter you know and I just was kind of all over the place with it but um four years ago then um I was asked to co-host this podcast which is called Mothers of Invention and it's about climate justice which is you know Mary's area one of one of her areas and um that's the intersection of climate uh the climate crisis and human rights so she was thinking oh will she make a film what will she do to share all this knowledge that she has you know about what to do it's solutions oriented it's not about like isn't this terrible like we're all doomed mm. it's like well here's all these women doing all this cool stuff so are you more hopeful it. now having having been looking into it for the last few years? I feel more empowered, definitely, um, because I've talked to all these people and um, I understand a lot more about, you know, things that can be done. And there's there's a lot that can be done. And um, yeah, I think hopeful is one word for it. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. You see. We've taken this quite kind of dark turn in a way of these massive problems and everything. Does exploring these dark and serious things sit well with a comedian? Or are you thinking, how did all this <laughs> yeah. happen? I just wanted to have a laugh. Like, what's going on? <laughs> I know, I know. I think it does. I mean, I think, you know, I'm not an expert on the climate crisis. I've educated myself, but I came to it very much as somebody who was like quite scared and not sure what to do. Um, but I think the kind of a, one good part about being, you know, a, a creative person, a comedian is being able to put the light with the dark and to um, have a curiosity. So I try not to be like set in my thinking and to always be learning um, and to be learning from people who clearly know a lot more than I do. You know, people like Mary Robinson mm -hmm. um, to let to let her like, you know, be the guide there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's I still I still do comedy. It's it is kind of hard to blend the two. Like, I mean, I think, as you know yourself, it's kind of hard to blend the two of being being funny and being respectful. And um, but it's it's possible. And I'm getting better at it as, as I get older. You know, when I'm 80, I'm going to be like unbelievable. Yeah. But cracking everyone to, off, coming up with ideas. You'd be, you'd be the Mary Robinson of your of your era. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> So I definitely so, so do you do the stand-up? Is it like in the clubs around New York? Yeah, I have my own club here every Monday and we do um, like a night in a comedy club. Um, so it, we just had our five-year anniversary of that. Me and two of my friends host a stand-up show that's really fun and it's for like, you know, local New York comics and also we have people coming through like Deirdre O'Kane was visiting and she did a show, she did a set there. That was absolutely brilliant and everyone just loved her. And um, who else? Ashing B, when she comes through town, she does it. So 
um, yeah, I still I still do love comedy. That's where I started was doing was doing stand up, you know, and I still um, stay true to my roots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> I was listening as well that you you appear uh, regularly on uh, an NPR. It's a kind of it's a kind of have I got news for you, except it's less yeah. maybe not the kind of. You know the way a lot of those panel shows have become quite juvenile and stuff like that. It's a, it's. I, I thought it was a little bit classier, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't really listen to the Have I Got News for You, but this show is called Wait Wait Don't Tell Me, and it's um. I think it's one of the longer running shows. It's like kind of a show that American Americans like listen to in the car on their way to baseball or something. <laughs> like, I don't know. like my peers here, you know, it's like a family show. Yeah. And it's it's just a news topical show, and it has like five million listeners every week, and it's very beloved. Wow. And it is quite like you're not allowed to curse or you know it's fairly like eleven year olds are listening. So you you know, and that's like perfect for me. I love eleven year olds. So like that's like my sweet spot right there is just kind of um, gentle and not too, but still like funny and silly. And are you there as kind of like the the Irish person or are you just there as you know one of the gang wait do you think they have an Irish correspondent because Ireland's like so big and important they're like what yeah. Maeve, what's um I'd look America's gone so politically correct no maybe you have to have an Irish person on every panel do you <laughs> America's not gone politically correct are you demented it's so right wing here it's unbelievable I mean New York is definitely a little you know is like still progressive and everything yeah but the Republicans are just, it's very, people are really on the right here, I think. So it's, you know, it's important, I think, that they get to hear voices like mine that are a bit more progressive and a bit more what I think is like r- normal, sensible, humane. <laughs> um, but no, I'm there as a comedian, you know, just um, sometimes I think they do think I'm funny because I'm Irish, but like, I'm totally fine about that, you know, or they think I'm like cute or something, you know, they're like, oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, but listen, listen, maybe you got to work with what you got. So, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Listen, speaking of things being funny because they're Irish. Yeah, I think there's a very people in this country are kind of sidestepping slightly a conversation that I think a lot of people feel maybe needs to be had about the band she's been sharing. <laughs> and I noticed you were kind of tiptoeing it around yourself there last week as well um, in oh. terms of it being well, first off, in terms of it being a comedy. Did you watch it? I did. Were you laughing? At times. Hello? At times. <laughs> Hello, the line. Stop turning this on me there, now. I, 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 I did at times. Yeah. Okay, so I would say, first of all, you know, I, you know, I was in an Irish comedy film called Extraordinary two years ago. And we were so careful to make people laugh in that film it was really important to make people laugh with a comedy and so that's why i feel like a bit qualified you know it yes. was like the best irish you're comedy an expert 20 yeah not my that was from the galway film festival okay okay and i know maybe this is like a female instinct to like show my work or like prove why i'm allowed to say what i'm about to say <laughs> but like i just didn't find it that funny i watched the banshees of Sharon, right I actually, you know, Tourism Ireland asked me and a bunch of other Irish or a bunch of other journalists in America to like come to Ireland and show us the islands. And you know, there's a big push by 
the actual Irish state <laughs> okay. to support this film, right? So this Which film is, is the official film of Ireland in the 21st century then? <laughs> Some Americans, I think, were, were kind of carefully asking me like yeah hey is that what is that <laughs> when you go home is that what it's like as like oil lamps and little low cottages and like irish men who can't really talk about their feelings i was like mm, that's from the 80s <laughs> but like i i you know anyway so the comedy part for me was a bit confusing i i just didn't find it that funny um and but you know what though that donkey my god there's a really gorgeous little donkey in it. Yeah. You saw, I think Colin Farrell like gave her a shout out on stage. Um, so that part was great. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to leave you <laughs> off the hook now, all right? Uh, let's move on to donkeys because he, I know I also noticed in yeah. your column in the Guardian you were writing about uh, that, that donkeys are having a kind of a cultural moment. But I was amazed. Aww. I was amazed to read your piece that. Donkeys are not as kind of stoic and accepting as we think. I know. I because um the good thing about like like having having a column is if something happens in the real world, then you can actually use it to talk about whatever you want, which like you know. So I saw the donkey in the film, and I was like, this means I get to write about donkeys, and so because I absolutely love them, and I always go to the donkey sanctuary in Cork when I'm at home, and just to see them. I don't know if they like remember me or anything, but I do love <laughs> donkeys down there. So this was an opportunity for me to like learn more about them. And um, yeah, that thing you said about they come across as really stoic and really kind of um, maybe that they're not feeling that much. You know, the way horses are like, you kind of know what's going on with a horse or a dog. They're, they're happy, they're sad. But um, the, you know, I interviewed a woman actually from the donkey sanctuary in Cork and uh, she was saying that there's a thing called the dull donkey syndrome, which is when they are in pain or they are suffering, but they're prey animals. So they don't show it because it's a vulnerability. So instead, they just kind of shut down a little bit. So like donkey, people who know donkeys and who care for them, they can spot it. But yeah. like just a normal person can't really see it. No. So you have to really pay close attention to yeah, donkeys, we, I we, know. We all think donkeys are zen, but in fact, they're masking yeah. the, the pain. They're like the rest of us, really. You know what? I <laughs> I, know, I go to the donkey relatable. sanctuary as well and they do remember you. They said, God, you won Maeve was back again from America last week thinking she's great. But, uh, but so we cool. think we masked the pain enough that she didn't notice that we weren't happy to see her again. <laughs> no. Yeah, so you always have to check in if, you, if you're if you suffering from dull donkey syndrome yourself. And also, if you can, like, look after the donkeys. Because I think it's funny because they were in the film and, like, they are a part of the Irish landscape. And, you know, we used to use them for work, obviously, not really that long ago, you know, in the scheme of things. So... I think Ireland's so interesting in that way, isn't it? That there's still all these, like, it's like got all these kind of big um, tech companies and um, big American corporations. And then it also has this link to the land and to the creatures. Yes. Um, and I, I always find that really interesting. I loved listening to Roz earlier talking about different hikes and about how to kind of connect Wish going outside, you know, it's brilliant. Yeah, and listen, I think the way the tech uh, industry is going at the moment, maybe we should uh, think about getting back to working with the donkeys. Could be the future. Maeve, it's great to catch <laughs> up with you. 
Yeah, you too. You mind yourself yeah. out there in America now, okay? Thanks a million. And you mind yourself there in Dublin 4. I'm trying, <laughs> right. As people Bye. say, do people from Cork say to you, are you in America all the time now? <laughs> you yes. in Dublin all the time now? And with and disbelief. As you're standing in front of them in Cork. Yeah, with disbelief. <laughs> okay, Maeve Higgins, thanks a million. Thanks Bye. a million. Bye. Bye-bye. Email brendan at rte.ie.